Hey Mason, did you know that on July 1st, Yahoo Domain Renewal Pricing increased to $34.95 per year? $34.95 per year? No way! Ridiculous! That's not a deal at all! You're right, it's not, and I do need a deal. You need a deal? I got the deal you need, Andy! Check this out! Transfer your domain to GoDaddy for as little as $6.99 and get a free one-year extension plus guaranteed renewal pricing. GoDaddy.com makes transferring easy and offers loads of extras including hosting, a five-page site builder, and much more. Oh, yeah! Plus, as a listener of MuggleCast, enter code MUGGLE, that's M-U-G-G-L-E, when you check out and save an additional 10% on any order. Some restrictions do apply. I want you to see the site for the details. Get your piece of the internet at GoDaddy. This is Professor McGonagall welcoming you to all to Mugglecast, hoping you enjoyed. Dobby, Dobby, come here. Yeah, Dobby. Yes, well, I'd just like to say how very pleased I am to introduce Mugglecast to all of you. Thank you. Thank you. Because the holidays are here, and it takes us an hour to realize it, this is MuggleCast, episode 166, for December 19th, 2008. All right, we are here for another episode of MuggleCast, and it's been a while since we've had a traditional episode, so to speak, you know, where we go through all the normal segments and such, but we're all happy to be back. And Mikey's back. Hey, Mikey. How you guys doing? Hey, Mikey. Um, good, but I'm kind of sad you no longer live yeah. a few steps away. I know. I moved far away, and uh, it's cold and snowy, but it's the fun. The land of Kentucky. The land of Kentucky. Yeah, I went out and uh, <laughs> bought some bourbon, because I guess that's where <laughs> bourbon's from. Haven't had What's it bourbon? yet. Yeah, it's some type of alcohol. I don't know. I've oh. never had it before. And also, um, Penny is joining us again. Hey, Penny. Hey, how are you? Penny, um, oh, good, thanks. But, um, so, one, you, did we have you introduce yourself before the last episode? I can't um, really remember. I don't know. Uh, tell us a little I bit, don't... a little bit about yourself. Um, I'm probably the oldest person ever to have ever been on MuggleCast. No, I'm Because I'm like 65. Um, oh, okay, yeah, I think mind. so. <laughs> I'm not really I don't 65. Think you're, I don't think you're quite that yeah. old, but, uh, yeah, but I'm still older than all of you um and i'm from baltimore maryland and i uh do some other harry potter stuff but uh right what what's the what's other site um i've been working on harry potter prognostications the podcast and the blog for the past two years or so and i do that with my husband greg and but i'm happy to be here with all you guys right now we stole you for the show uh yeah i'm happy to be here we're happy to say that penny is going to be more of a regular here on mugglecast we tested her out on um, the live show, and I think she passed. So um, I'm going to have you uh, on here more regularly. That'll be fun. Thank Woo! you. Yay! Finally. I, we I, have I get, three ex- I get excited, hosts. Penny. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Okay, anyway. Well, we, we do have a full show, so uh, let's get right into it. I'm Andrew Sims. I'm Laura Thompson. I'm Mike Tannenbaum. I'm Mikey B. And I'm Penny Gershman.
All right, Micah Tannenbaum, what's in the news this week or the past few weeks? Yeah, it's been a little while since we've uh, we've done a show, um, but the top Besides news item... Beetle the Bard coming out. Well, we, know all about that. we, we talked about that on last show, uh, but Beetle the Bard, speaking about it, uh, there was a couple of reports about it being possibly turned into a major motion picture, and yes. uh, this all came out... Uh, within the last week or so, Cinema Blend, which sounds like a really reliable source, uh, reported <laughs> that uh, Beetle the Bard may be made into a movie by Warner Brothers. And I, I don't really know about this. Uh, I'm kind of skeptical, either. to be honest with you. And uh, you know, the the report referred to Warner Brothers trying to ride the magical gravy train a little bit longer. <laughs> I can believe that. But uh, yeah, I don't know. This whole Beetle the Bard turning into a movie thing, mm, it, it it wouldn't it wouldn't like I could see this sort of maybe in the theme park they film these and they play them in like the waiting lines or something. But it couldn't be a full on movie. All these tales together, right? I can. See, what do you guys think? I could see it being like a holiday special, like a TV special, where it's like yeah, an hour long, and it'd be like each little story, and you can have like Joe there sitting on her. You know, on a little rocker and introducing each story and just be like, welcome to the holiday special, Beetle the Bar. And it just, I, I don't know. I'm just thinking like the old holiday specials they used to do for all the, you know, old movies. And it's just, it'd be so cool. Sorry. Yeah. Right. Do you guys see it as live action or animation or claymation? Or, I think. Or what? I'd say animation. That's how I. Really? Uh, I was going to say live action. Live, I, would, I would love each, like, kind of like um to have a different director tackle each story and do it like different you know, different. Oh, that'd be cool. Maybe have yeah. like the three brothers be done by like Tim Byrne and do it like claymation, like a you know, Corpse Bride or oh, something like that, cool. and then have someone <laughs> else do another one. And I just think it'd be really cool to have just different styles for all of them. Like you know, think about the, you know the Christmas, uh, you know, the Rudolph the Red uh, Red Nose Reindeer. You know, you know, claymation. Yeah. You know, stop motion. It, it, I just think it's a good cool. idea. I mean, the only way I can see Joe um, agreeing to to do this um would be if like the dvd sales went to um charity yeah otherwise though i mean it's just a really cheap way of marketing yeah (laughs) making a quick buck yeah and and if it would turn into a movie would there be any of dumbledore's commentary in it as well (laughs) michael Uh... (laughs) you mean michael gammon's commentary (laughs) yeah yeah something like that (laughs) i don't i don't it would kind of seem out of place wouldn't it no, but wouldn't it be awesome if like Jim Dale narrated it or yeah. something? Oh yeah, that'd be really cool. We uh, we should find out if he's going to do an audiobook for Beetle the Bard. Yes, we should. Awesome. That would be fantastic. I was supposed to get on that and I forgot. So whatever, <laughs> like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, that'd be cool. It'd be cool to listen to him read those tales. It couldn't take him more than a day to record all those. There oh, no. was one article that that followed up on this report. It was in the Los Angeles Times and. They actually recommended expanding the Warlock's hairy heart because mm-hmm. they, they really felt that it had the most opportunity to be made into a movie. Now, I don't know if that meant expand that story in particular and still film all the others or just do that one specifically. Uh, and they yeah, recommended I I love that uh, Guillermo del Toro That'd be amazing. for directing it. Yeah, I liked their ideas. They had some good ideas. But ex- expanding it would kind of be weird in a way, because that would be the first time anything related to Harry Potter would actually be expanded for time. You know, they're always condensing it. 
That's true. Yeah, I mean, they would have to add a lot to it. So I don't know. You know what also was interesting? David Heyman um, said in an interview that he would not be interested in doing a Beatle-related film, didn't he? He did, yep. Yeah, I thought that was interesting because we don't know the exact date of this interview, but it was definitely after the movie came out, or the book came out, or the rumors, sorry. (laughs) All the above. Yeah. So I don't know what to think about that. I mean... I'm glad David Heyman would kind of be against it because it it is an obvious sort of way of making a cheap buck. Yeah, and I don't know that the interest would be that high, to be honest. Yeah, no, it it wouldn't be. I mean, there wasn't even, like, the interest for this book can't even compare to um, to, any other releases. Yeah, Right, right. Right. Which pretty much leads into our next news item um, about the sales of Beetle the Bard and its first week uh, it ended up making uh, $8.5 million for the children's high-level group, and it sold roughly 2.6 million copies worldwide. And, Andrew, you have here, was the number one bestseller and the fastest-selling book of 2008. Um, do you guys no consider surprise. that to be an impressive, uh, based on what we've seen from her previous works, or is that somewhat underperforming? I don't know. For I mean, compared to the other Potter books, it's obviously underperforming. I think it's impressive for the type of book, just because yeah. I don't remember the exact stats for the uh, um, the Fantastical Beasts, but I remember it was t- that one was totally way underperforming compared to this one. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. So. Oh yeah. And, and like even now, I don't think Fantastical Beasts has sold even this many copies, and it's been around yeah. for that long. Plus, I mean, Harry Potter is more popular now than it was when Fantastic Beasts and Quidditch Through the Ages came out. Yeah, but st- yeah, but still, regardless, like I think that's kind. Of, it's kind of I'm impressed, like the performance of this type of book. You know, it, mm-hmm. you know, I remember, you know, they didn't have a release party where I'm at, and I went and just picked it up the next morning at Walden Books on my way to work. And uh, that night, I went to the grocery store after I finished reading, it, and there was like a whole display in the grocery store in the Kroger with Beetle the Bard. So. Yeah, and those picked clean. So, yeah, I, yeah. I agree with you. I think eight point five million dollars is a lot of money uh, for a charity, especially in the span of only a week. Um, and it's going to keep selling. There's no question about it. Ladies, what do you think? Um, I mean, I I find the numbers impressive. I just I don't think that anything like this would sell like a Harry Potter book would. Um, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that this seems to be something that more of the hardcore fans really knew about because I know several people at school who love Harry Potter, but they don't spend their days on the fan sites and they don't, they don't listen to podcasts and they didn't even know about this. Blasphemy. Yeah. I told a few, so. I told a few people like, Oh, Beetle the Board's coming on. They're like, Oh, that's that fairy tale thing. And they didn't, and even though they read all the Harry Potter books, they had no interest in reading. Yeah. It. And in a way it's understandable because there's, there's huge fans and then there's fans who are casual readers of the books and likes the series. But don't want to read the fairy tales that don't involve Harry. And I think the the, the commentary from Dumbledore was an obvious p- ploy to um, get people more interested in, in this in these this book. Wouldn't you guys agree? No, I don't know. I think it was also like a commentary that maybe Joe wanted to say about yeah. the stories. You know, especially, you know, again, a lot of it was like the, you know, uh, the Malfoys had, you know, commentary on two of the books wanted to get them banned or, some, or the stories. And I think it was kind of one of those things where if she didn't have 
Dumbledore's perspective on it, we wouldn't have really seen that additional, you know, that, I don't know. When I was reading it, I kind of started thinking of Laura Mallory and wanting to ban the Harry Potter books. And I kind of, I kind of felt that might've been a little commentary on that. Um, and having, you know, Dumbledore talk about it, but that was just me. Penny, what did you think of Beetle the Bard and Mikey for that matter? I loved it. I thought it was great. Um, I thought the morals were great. And I loved Dumbledore's commentary was amazing. Um, especially, you know, the commentary in Tales of the Three Brothers. Um, it just it um really that was the one that we were able to connect to Harry Potter, obviously, and it was just it was so good. Yeah. How about you, Mikey? Um, you improve? Well, uh, you know, I, I was telling you, I read it during my lunch break, and I absolutely loved it. Um, the only thing I, I, I would take away that I wasn't super impressed with seeing the American version versus the UK edition. I was totally bummed <laughs> at the design of the book yeah. of the US version. I wish I had been able to go to London and uh, yeah. buy the really cool one, but you know. You should have asked me to get you a copy. I have copies here for um, Penny and uh, Micah. I didn't even. It, it, I didn't even wait. think about it. You know, all the move and everything. I was just like, I was trying to see if there's a release here, and of course there wasn't. Yeah. Um, but I, I loved it. Like, honestly, online. the stories. Um, it, it brought it brought back it brought back a warming feeling that I haven't had since the first read through of uh, Deathly Hollows. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It, it, it yeah. made me. It made me almost like shed a tear a little, just going like. Oh wow! Is this going to be the last Harry Potter related book that I'm going to read through? That's written by Joe. So I hope not. I really, She's got to she, be doing more like more things like this. I would not mind like her expanding and writing more stories like this, or even ha- even you know, I, I was discussing this the other day with someone that there's so much fan fiction, and I, I can't really bring myself to read a lot of the fan fiction. But like, I would love to read stories by professional authors or even her. Not about Harry, but just about like in that universe that she created. Just because it just makes me feel so happy inside, just like reading it. Yeah. But and back real quick too um, about the you know the casual fans not really being as interested in this. Um, when I was in London, and um, I guess this was two days after the book came out, I was in the bookstore getting extra copies of the UK Beetle, and um, people I would see people go up to the display stand where all the books were. And they would look at it and be like, oh, J.K. Rowling, and then open it up, page through it, and they go, eh, and then put it down and walk away. And it was kind of sad because, like, you know, I think it's a great book for anyone who's ever read Harry Potter. And it's a shame that people are so, you know, a lot of people are being turned off by it just because it's not Harry Potter. Although, on the other hand, I have several friends who haven't read Harry Potter who said, do you have to read Harry Potter in order to appreciate this? And I don't. Th- and I think that Joe wrote it in a way that you really don't have to read Harry Potter um, to appreciate it. Yeah, definitely it. not. Yeah. I mean, although there are a couple spoilers in here if you haven't. You, have to, re- you have to look closely at them to see them as spoilers, I think. That's true. Yeah. 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 It'd be funny if, yeah. <laughs> but oh, doesn't it say in here? Like, isn't there the uh, before, intro? So- it, yeah, it, the intro talks Dumbledore's about death. Uh, Written nine months before Dumbledore's timely demise on the yeah. astronomy tower or something but like at, that. But at this point, I, I think everybody knows that Dumbledore just yeah. died. Thanks to that uh, spoiler shirt that you have, Mikey. Yes, I do. <laughs> there's a shirt. Oh, do you there's have a wonderful shirt? shirt from Thriller's <laughs> called Spoil It, and it's got all the wonderful spoilers. And, of course, right there in the center is the Snape kills Dumbledore. <laughs> you know what's funny? As we remember, you know. Andrew knows this. I was working. Um, I was working on the show. I was working on. There's a bunch of people who hadn't read the Harry Potter books. They've just been watching the movies, and they're like, they honestly got really mad at me that I was wearing a shirt that said "Snape killed Dumbledore" because they did not know that. 
Well, you're betraying these these poor your poor friends who have not read it yet and are looking yeah. forward to reading it. And that's why I'm right. You, you got to understand, Half Blood Prince has been out for years. Really, yeah, that's true. That's why uh, Alan Rickman doesn't do interviews for Harry Potter. He's actually stated that, that because oh, he doesn't yeah. want people who only see the movies to have him possibly reveal something about the books. In a way, though, I kind of feel like that's a lame excuse. Yeah, that's a cop out. Just avoid talking about. That. <laughs> it's it's a cop out. There's no no question about yeah. that. But I think there's a statute yeah. of limitations to when you can you know do spoilers. After a few years, I don't think it's a problem anymore. Like I don't think it would be a bad thing to say that Darth Vader is Luke Skywalker's father. Something exactly. like that. Exactly. You really can't <laughs> what? do that. Yeah. No. So, and, sorry and, about and, that. And of course, that's I have not seen shirt. Star Wars, but everyone knows that rumor. Yeah. But who who doesn't know yeah. that? You know, it's like. Yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't know that? Duh, it's so obvious. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true. Well, yeah, I mean, come right. on. I knew that before I even saw those movies. Yeah. What else is going on, Micah? <laughs> Harry Potter the Exhibition uh, is going to be in Chicago at the Museum of Science and Industry starting on April 30th of next year. And uh, I saw some of the uh, the artwork that was done kind of previewing the uh, displays that are going to be out there, and they look pretty cool. One yeah. of the Great Hall, one of the Common Room, which was uh, given to us, and you posted on the site, and uh, mm-hmm. this is going to be interesting. It's supposed yeah. to move around the country, around the world. What exactly around are the, they well, doing? Well, originally they said country, and now it's world. So, I mean, I think it's going to go. It's going to go all over the U.S. first, then go to the U.K., and then you know wherever else. So these are actual pieces of the sets, correct? Yes. Yeah, but I think mostly it's it's props. I don't know if they're moving. Like, I know what you're talking about in the uh, in the sketches. They have like the Great Hall exhibit. It looks kind of looks like you're in the Great Hall. I don't think they're moving literal sets. Like, I think they'll dress it up to make it look like it, but I don't think it's an actual set. They will have actual props though. I which um, is cool. Well, uh, uh, I mean, I, I don't know if this is going to be exact, but I know they did a the Smithsonian did a Star Wars exhibition a while ago a couple yeah. of years ago and what they did is they actually had set pieces and actual props there and they dressed up the rooms to look like it so for the, yeah i bet that's what i would not for... be surprised if the room that has all the great hall memorabilia and like the pieces and the tables and stuff like that would look very similar to what the great hall would look like minus obviously right. the magical roof because they can't do that but um <laughs> yeah well that's what they have in these concept sketches you you see the backgrounds and it does look like the great hall but yeah i, I wouldn't be surprised if each room you know they probably are getting some you know wonderful auditorium for every time they do that you know they set it up in a different city and uh it, it would definitely probably they i you know the people they use to set these things up just like big concerts like you know you too andrew they have huge stages oh, yeah. and huge things that they set up, and same thing with this. I'm sure they yeah. would go all out, and from what I've seen, it looks like it's going to be pretty amazing. Yeah, I'm really excited. I think they uh, have put together a really nice idea, and I think it's going to uh, pay off. Yeah. I, th- I think it's going to be really cool. Now, of course, Eric lives in um, Chicago, and I'm sure he has tickets already. Has anyone heard from him? I haven't nope. talked to Eric in a while. No. Does does he still exist? I, I think so. I'm not sure. That's time. a good question. We should make WB give him tickets to go. Well, and yeah, write I a imagine report. they're going to have like a press day sort of thing, and right. But yeah, it's 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 exciting, and um, I'd been thinking about this recently because the original announcement came April 25th of this year, and they said the tour would begin spring '09. So it's like, when are they going to announce the first place? 
and there it was. So Well, they also need to release a schedule sometime soon of where else this display is going. Yeah, so it's going to be in Chicago from April, the very end of April, till September. Like September? September yeah. 7th. So, um, yeah, I hope it comes over this way next. <laughs> I'm sure it will. But, yeah, I'm cool. sure it will. Yeah. I'm sure it'll go all over the place. Yeah, it'll be fun. Uh, what else, Micah? There's a lot of news. There was. Uh, th- kind of staying with the movies, Half-Blood Prince, there was a few previews that showed up on ABC Family during their Harry Potter weekend that they traditionally do every year uh, around Christmas time. And there was uh, five previews, not a whole lot of new shots, but the one thing that that stood out to me was in the uh, preview called Comedy. You actually got a little bit of a look inside Weasley Wizard Wheezes. Yeah. The joke shop. It looked uh, fantastic. You got to hear from uh, some people you don't normally hear from uh, a lot in interviews. You uh, saw Michael Gambon, who actually sounded and looked more like Dumbledore in an interview than he does during the films. Yeah, let me stop you there. When he was talking about Dumbledore's role in this movie, he genuinely sounded interested. And I thought that was really exciting. He looked like he cared because he looked like he was processing through his head the character of Dumbledore. And we haven't seen that before. So he's thinking. Good for you, Michael. (laughs) Uh, And the others, uh, just briefly, was the the story of Tom Riddle, Meet Professor Slughorn, uh, where you heard from Jim Broadbent. Love is in the air. Uh, You got uh, to hear from Lavender Brown, the actress who plays Lavender Brown, and the story, which was kind of just a brief overview of what to expect in Half-Blood Prince. Yeah, they were were cool. And honestly, I, I got pretty excited for the movie after watching all this. Does anyone else have any thoughts on this? I, I saw them, but I was I was a little disappointed. Um, uh, yeah, I, disappointed? I agree with you. I was a little disappointed. Well, you know, I, you know, I made I made sure I DVR'd the whole thing because I wasn't around all day, and I kind of just fast forward through the movies to make sure I get to you know just watch these things. Yeah, and um, they, they you know they showed some good information, but it, it's kind of like I, I think I'm just still jaded because the pushback day, and I just feel like mm-hmm. I, I've been waiting for this for so long that I'm just kind of. like, I just want to see it, and yeah. it, it has to be good. Otherwise, I'm going to be beyond disappointed because it should have been out already a long time ago. And it, I'm just disappointed, and I'm like, you know, I'm like a bunch of fans, angry and upset yeah. and bitter. And please don't be bitter about the movie. I am, but that's me. I just want to see it. It was interesting because in that comedy bit too, I think it was in the comedy one, they had a quick clip of, I guess it was Ron, he was filming, and then he runs directly into a giant blue screen. So he hits he hits a wall, and he sort of does like pancakes right up against it, and it was pretty funny. I was like, oh, that's funny. That must be their comedy they're talking about. <laughs> so once again, Ron Weasley <laughs> is the comic relief. Yeah, They're exactly. back to that. Exactly. Yeah. But it, I'm, I hope there's like I hope it's like really funny because they're really h- hyping up this whole you're gonna lol a lot in this movie. So right, yeah. We'll see. So, uh, uh, what else in the movie world? We talked about David Heyman a little bit earlier. He did an interview uh, with IESB.net where he talked about the Deathly Hollow spit spit <laughs> split spit. Uh, oh. And uh, okay. he he actually said that he didn't want to do it initially. He thought it was crazy. And then the decision, according to him, ultimately rested with the filmmakers. 
And the studio said, you do whatever you think is right. And initially, again, he thought it was crazy. And then he started going through the book and realized, hey, maybe this is not such a crazy idea. Maybe we should split the movie into two. And uh, it does make sense. I think we're going to be we're all going to be happy about it. I'm happy to split. I I was really disappointed at first, but I think it makes a lot of sense just because the way that book goes, it's it's too much for one movie. Even a, yeah. even a long, like, Lord of the Rings-style epic, it's just too much. You need to yeah. break it up, for pacing-wise, at least. I mean, and and um, it, it is a lot of work that it suddenly hits them that, you know, they're all set on doing seven films, and then suddenly they have to invest another, a, a lot more time into doing another one, and that's a whole another premiere and a whole other round of interviews. So it must have been a lot to swallow initially. Well, yeah, and and not only that, you made a post earlier today, another uh, interview with David Heyman at his yes. premiere of Yes Man out in mm-hmm. L.A. He said that they're going to be filming for 54 weeks. That's a long <laughs> time. <laughs> so, I did not see that. Wow. And, Sorry. And he said they're going to be starting in um, well, February, so that's going to bring them up to April 2010. It's crazy. That is crazy. For for anyone that knows, big blockbuster movies usually only shoot for about twelve to thirteen weeks. Well, you got to remember this is two films too. Yeah, but you know, Lord of the Rings, the entire trilogy was shot in about that time. All three fifty-four weeks. weeks. Yeah, the entire the entire three films were shot in about that same amount of time. I don't want. I'll get you the exact time in a second. Wikipedia, here I come. But it's well, that's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, and I looked at I look, I compared it to Half Blood Prince, and that was about thirty two weeks. Um, and I mean, you got to remember that they're going to have to stop for a couple weeks to um, uh, promote Half Blood Prince. So I wonder if like the the fifty four weeks includes their time off when they have to go promote Half Blood Prince, and then you have the holidays. So well, I think it's also because there's still kids in the film. Children can mm-hmm. only work X amount of hours. Oh yeah, and so that yeah, that's that, that's, that's one of the reasons why I think this is a little bit longer. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, n- now so, you understand why David Heyman was so ticked off that the movie got pushed back. <laughs> yeah, I just think it's really good that the main characters aren't like eleven and twelve again because a year is a long time, like in puberty. Um, <laughs> thinking about that, you know, they, they've all pretty much uh, matured to what they're going to be. So right. Yeah, they would have changed a lot. That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> David Heyman may come out of this with some gray hair, but <laughs> David Yates too, but he already has gray hair and he's kind of bald. So he'll be more bald. Anything else, Micah? That's all I got. All right. Um, announcements this week. Hey, we're going to be at Azcatraz2009. That's hp2009.org. Um, we're going to be doing a podcast there after the midnight release of Half-Blood Prince. So you're going to see Half-Blood Prince at midnight, and then you're going to finish seeing it around, I guess, 2.30 a.m., and then you're going to come back to the hotel, and then we're going to be podcasting all about it. We're going to be talking about how amazing the film was, what our favorite parts were. We're going to have the whole audience included. It's going to be a ton of fun. So um, that's hp2009.org. So check that out. Sign up. Register. It's going to be a ton of fun. They just announced something that's really um, fresh and new and exciting. It's called uh, Wizard Rock Around the Rock. And it's going to be a four-hour cruise around the San Francisco Bay. 
um, and there's going to be Wizard Rock on board, and then there's going to be different levels of the ship that are just, you know, for hanging out and chilling. So that's going to be cool, too, going on this cruise uh, while listening to some great Wizard Rock bands and also just hanging out, relaxing, having a few drinks, having a few bites to eat. And it's all um, to benefit uh, charity. Um, They're working with the Harry Potter Alliance. That is so so cool. So it's going to be a great event. HP2009.org. If you register... Um, be sure to put MuggleCast or MuggleNet in the referral area so they know where you are coming from. And that's going to be a lot of fun. That's, what is it, July um, 17th to the 20th or something like that. Or July 18th to the 20th or 21st or 22nd. Because it starts the day after the movie comes out, but they're sort of extending the convention to fit in the movie. So, boy, is that going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be amazing. Yeah, I can't wait for the uh, jet lag getting out to uh, <laughs> San Francisco and then staying up, seeing the movie, and podcasting <laughs> afterwards. Well, we'll have to get there. A day. You'll have to get here a day or two. Yeah. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. <laughs> it, the three-hour time difference really isn't that bad. No, it's not. Hey, Andrew. So I just, just found a- out how long Lord of the Rings filmed for. It how was much? For how long? 46 weeks. For th- all three? All three films were shot in 46 weeks. You'll survive. See, that's smart. They were probably saving money, too, yeah. by only shooting that for that long. Yeah, hmm. so all three Lord of the Rings films were shot in 46 weeks. Deathly Hollows is going to be shot in 54. Wow. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, I, I bet it has to do with those child labor laws. That would make sense, because they got a lot of kids to handle. Um, also, don't forget to vote for us on Podcast Alley. It is uh, MuggleCast Mecember, and it's uh, we gotta you know get the vote and stay at the top of that list. It's it's a great thing that Podcast Alley. And lastly, happy birthday to Laura Thompson. Aww, celebrating. Ooh, yeah. How old are you? Twenty twenty? Yeah, yeah, twenty. 20. Right? <laughs> uh, now you've been complaining that you're 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 not at you're, you're getting old or something. What, what's this about? <laughs> No, it's it's just it's just difficult accepting that as of right now I have like four hours left of being a teenager and then <laughs> never so your again. responsibility hits all yeah. of a sudden. Yeah, Laura, suddenly it's to... like, oh god, I'm twenty. <laughs> Focus on twenty one, okay? After twenty one. Oh yeah, it's all that, that part I'm really excited about. But um Laura, you don't have to grow up. I still haven't, and I'm twenty four now. That's true. That's true. You don't have to. I was I was I was Mario for Halloween. I had a full on costume. It was fun. Okay. You don't have to. Well, that makes me feel a little better. A yep, it's all about being a kid. Come on, I, I you know I play video games. It's fun. <laughs> well, what are you doing for your birthday tomorrow, Laura? Um, I'm not really. I kind of just want to relax because I mean I've <laughs> I've had and you know this, Andrew. You, you must know, be getting I, old. <sighs> Shut up. No. Laura, I've, that's I've hurting really, me. You need to go out and have fun. Go play I've mini golf. Long, I've had a Well, I mean, I'll probably go out and do something, but I haven't decided yet. But, I mean, I've had a long semester, and I'm just kind of... You just... I understand. <gasps> yeah. I want to relax. I heard you got a really nice gift, though, earlier today. Oh. I heard that, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Laura, where are but, you going? For um, my birthday. Whatever that day is. <laughs> Whatever oh, on, the day on, is, come on. <laughs> on January twentieth, you mean like that's it? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going <laughs> to the presidential inauguration. Going to be at the hey, swearing in ceremony. Hey, that's a good birthday gift, right? Look at yeah. that. Yeah. Who, who got you tickets to that? Uh, Kevin Steck. 
our very own uh, Kevin Steck he, won tickets. So he must really love you if he's inviting you. I knew it. I knew you two had something. Really? Well, We're see, that's go why there. that's why Kevin stopped coming on the show because they had a little you know love spat and you know him and Laura just couldn't <laughs> get along take it anymore. <laughs> we are we are not even going there. Um, uh, anyway, uh, well, that's fun. Good for you. Muggle mail. <laughs> well, so happy birthday, Laura! Thank you. Happy birthday, Laura! Here's to I turning you twenty-one next year. Yeah, see, that's, that's what I'm excited 20, about. Twenty-one's a fun age. Come yeah, on. no, I can't wait to be twenty-one. Oh, do you yeah. know how awesome Infinitus is going time. to be? Uh, what? We're all going to be twenty-one at Infinitus. Yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be fabulous. <laughs> All right, let's move on to Muggle Mail this week. Who wants to read the first email from Andrew? I Laura, guess, it's I guess, your birthday. How yeah, you do it? I'll do it. Okay. <laughs> um, our first email comes from Andrew, 18, of New Hampshire. He writes, hey, guys, great job with the discussion of the tales of Beetle the Bard in the previous episode. I noticed a couple of other things while reading the final tale. I think it's interesting that, in revealing less than he knows or suspects, the Mulder seems to take a skeptical perspective in the commentary. Also, at the end of the tale, there is a drawing of what seems to be Ignotus Peveril's gravestone. There is what looks like an epitaph at the bottom, but it's really hard to read. Probably a good question for JKR. Ah, well, isn't that interesting? A lot of people are trying to speculate, you know, to look for the little things hidden in the sketches of what Joe drew. And I think it's cool that people are doing that, but I don't think really there's anything to them, personally. I don't know. Wasn't there something on each of the Potter's gravestones that was in Deathly Hollows, or yes, other gravestones that were in the cemetery that Joe put in there? So maybe there is something to it. There were maybe. biblical references, but I mean, right? Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. Didn't we have a discussion on that? Um, I know the biblical references were on the Potter's and on Kendra Dumbledore's gravestones, but I don't know about Peveril's. Hmm. Well, um, yeah, I think it's interesting, but I'm like, I, I sort of meant that people were speculating, like she's hinting at something to come or something. Like somebody sent in a um, an email that said, "Oh, I was looking at the fountain, and um, I know she drew a number eight. Does that mean there's going to be an eighth book?" I'm like, uh, <laughs> yes, that's absolutely what it means. <laughs> Jeopardy, here we come. <laughs> <laughs> she actually you called me, me and out. told me about that last week. So yeah. Oh really? Oh, yeah. Cool. Birthday, so huh? can you call her up and ask her about this uh, epitaph that's on the bottom of the tombstone? Yeah, Andrew, yeah. why don't we uh, Skype out Joe? Oh okay, sure. What's her number? But uh, next email, Micah, you want to get that one? Next email comes from Allie, sixteen of Virginia, about the Elder Wand. She says, "Hey, Muggle casters, I love your show. I just finished reading the Tales of Beetle the Bard, and I was wondering in the commentary that Dumbledore made." to the tale of the three brothers, he says every man that has owned it has insisted that it is unbeatable. I think it's very interesting how only wizards have claimed the Elder Wand. Not that I'm writing from a feminist point of view, but what do you think about that? Do you think that if a witch had used it, it would have a different history? Thanks and keep up the good work, Allie. I think Dumbledore was sort of just referring to the fact that it's only been used by men. Yes? No? My opinion would be that maybe this one would appeal more to the barbaric nature of males versus the more nurturing nature of females. And that would be why men have always claimed it versus witches. I, I don't know. And, and that's just something to think of that 
no women ha- have ever claimed to have the Elder Wand or the Death Stick or the Wand of Destiny, whatever you want to call it. But at the same time, we don't have any uh, we don't have any proof that there weren't any super bad, you know, angry, evil witches that were as bad as Voldemort or Grindelwald or anything like that. You know, we we only, we only have like so much of the history, you know. Without seeing the whole history, you can't really exactly. You know, I would hate to say you know it's only men that can be bad that can go bad, but that's not true. You know, Slytherin and Death Eaters. You know, Bellatrix Lestrange was just as bad as Lucius Malfoy, if not worse. But she never got to own the Elder Wand. You know, I, I don't want to. I don't know. No, I mean, I understand what you're saying. Well, and also, I think it's important to remember that English is a very male-centric language. So, you a lot of the times when when someone is referring to a group of people, they refer to them as men or like yeah, mankind. Yeah. So, it could be, I mean, also, I mean, we don't know tons about its history. I mean, we know it's passed from from owner to owner, but I mean, there's really no like set record is there saying who had it. No, no, not at so all. So we know of a couple. This of could just be Dumbledore it. making an assumption. Yeah, uh, th- those yeah. were the two things I was I was going to say. Wizards could be a very generic term, and then also that we don't know the complete history. It's just Dumbledore trying to recount who it went to uh, through its history. So I'm not sure that a witch could not have ever owned it. It's possible. The way I looked at it is that, um, and Joe wrote something about this, is that um, the Elder Wand was only sought out by men and she said made some kind of little footnote saying you know take that however you want but the way i looked at it is that the elder wand is called the unbeatable wand but in essence it really isn't the unbeatable wand because if it was it wouldn't have been passed from person to person because the only way that you can pass it is by actually beating it or beating the person who used it so um i always look at it as a woman wouldn't be foolish enough to think that she could that it actually is the unbeatable wand and they wouldn't suffer that um you know the i guess the false impression that you can actually beat it so um i don't ah. know if it's that the women the women were wiser or yes I don't know. <laughs> good point i like that's that very point. interesting yeah penny you want to read the next one Sure. This comes from Cassidy, sixteen from Canada, and she writes, "Hey, Michael Cast, I apologize if I've already discuss- if you've already discussed this because I haven't finished listening to your latest episode. The Fountain of Fair Fortune story really reminded me of the part in the fifth book where Harry pretended to put Felix Felicis in Ron's drink before the Quidditch match. Ron really didn't need the Felix Felicis, and Sir Luckless didn't need the Fountain of Fair Fortune. Just wanted to share my thoughts with you." There's another nice little yeah. parallel between Beetle and Harry Potter. I like that Joe threw these in, even if she didn't mean to. Oh, she meant to. You know that. I guess so. Maybe. Or else, I mean, she believes in this. She's she's a firm believer in that, you know, people, you know, change their own destiny, I guess. And it just comes out more than once. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And the final email from the day for the day comes from Kelly22 of Phoenix, Arizona. She writes, I was surprised in the show how you all kept commenting or even complaining that the version of the three brothers in Beetle the Bard was the same version, same as the version in Deathly Hollows. Really now? Seriously? Beetle was translated by Hermione Granger, and I think it's pretty safe to assume she translated it from the book Dumbledore Left Her, which was the book she was reading from when the trio was at Love Goods and Deathly Hollows. The story had to be the same, it just wouldn't have made sense otherwise. Well, Kelly, I think what we were saying was maybe it'd be longer. I mean, it didn't have to be different. Obviously, it was going to be the same exact story, but... Um, but this was, like, word by word. Yeah. Hermione's telling of it 
in Deathly Hallows. So, well, no, she wasn't telling it though. I mean, she was just she well, was she, reading it. No, she right? wasn't reading it, was she? I thought she was because I remember looking in the book and hold on, I'll look. I'll look. Well, well, Mister Potter, the whole thing starts with the tale of three brothers. I have a copy somewhere. He glanced. Oh, I see. So this. So yeah, they weren't reading Hermione's translation. Yeah, exactly. Like it was miraculously comes out the same. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I'm, I, mean I understand why, but yeah. Well, let's get into our book discussion now. We have an interesting one this week, um, and uh, we're gonna talk more about. Uh, Deathly Hollows. We're going to talk specifically about the final battle between Lord Voldemort and Harry. But the question pertaining to this discussion is, was it a disappointment? And um, you may say, oh, no, why would somebody say that? Well, there had been some discussions afterward that the battle wasn't maybe what it it was leading up to. I think everyone, before the book came out, everyone was expecting this huge epic duel that would be, you know, just incredible and a hundred pages long and it wasn't and in a way it wasn't even a full-on duel it was sort of um as we're going to discuss a little later on a verbal duel um so it's interesting and we're going to talk about it we're going to talk about what exactly went on and you know what else could have happened such and such so what does anyone here agree that um well let's put it this way Harry could not have have won in a regular duel versus Voldemort. Voldemort. Does anyone disagree with that? No. You're talking one-on-one. Right, right, right. Like, if Harry like and Voldemort... spells. Were, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, think of, like, a, you almost just think, like, a game of horse, but with spells, like, Voldemort would do one, Harry would have to match it. Like, Harry would lose. Right. Voldemort just used so much more magic than Harry. Like, exactly. It, it, it's not, you know, it, it's kind of like looking... If you think that Voldemort was able to defeat Dumbledore, he knew more, you know, he, you know, he didn't actually defeat him, but you know, he was that, you know, on par with Dumbledore. Is Harry on par with Dumbledore? No, Voldemort was though, but yeah, sorry. I so in a way though, I mean, so in a way, why, why, I mean, a lot of people were expecting a major duel, correct? I mean, so why didn't we think this through a little bit beforehand and think like, Unless, unless we thought in book seven, Harry was going to dis- develop some insane skills that would, you know, be right up to par with Voldemort. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking Harry was just going to become, like, uber awesome. Really? Yeah. I, I was hoping, like, he would get, like, you know, yes, the you know, the, during the whole, like, reading and, like, I started learning about the hollows and everything, like, the whole line of, like, Horcrux or hollows, like, what to go after. I was mm-hmm. so excited. I was like... Oh my gosh, Harry's going to be awesome. He's going to be the master of death. I was so like, you don't even know. I'm like, well, you know, I was I was reading, yeah. I was talking to you about it, going, oh my gosh. But yeah. but when it came down to it, I was actually really happy the way the battle came out because it wasn't. It was one of those where it's just like you knew walking into it that Harry had already defeated Voldemort. You knew it, Laura. What were you expecting? Um. Well, and this is kind of going off a point that we're going to touch on later, but I know that based on the book cover. And based on the previous mentions of wandless magic, I thought that was the answer. I thought Harry and Voldemort were going to have to um, fight each other without their wands. And I thought that Harry was going to become super awesome at wandless magic. Um, yeah. But I mean, you know, I was. You wasn't were totally dis- set on that happening? 
Well, that was pro- that was the most reasonable theory I had. Um, what I appreciate about what we ended up getting was that it wasn't this big like showdown battle with like every student at Hogwarts like out on the grounds firing at Voldemort's army. It was just like Harry and Voldemort with everyone around them. Like, and sort of the more fan fictiony stories I saw like had like you know both both groups of people like advancing on each other like they were in some sort of I don't know colonial fight but right but i know people who would argue just the opposite that they were disappointed that and obviously there are other events going on that the reader needs to be focused on from harry's point of view Uh, but things that we learn about after the fact a lot of people had the had a problem with not seeing remus and tonks die and a lot of the other characters that we learn about later on there wasn't enough focus on the battle as a whole it was too much uh, of what was going on with Harry. Obviously, we needed to know that, but th- there was stuff that people felt was left out. There there wasn't enough battle time. I think it's kind of creepy that some people say they wanted to watch someone die. Well, like, you know, but <laughs> you know why, though. <laughs> no, sort of in kidding. their honor. I'm just kidding. I, I, yeah. from a li- you know, I would definitely have liked to see Remus's, you know, last hurrah. You know, I, I hate to find out that, you know, this character that- <laughs> it wasn't so much of a hurrah though was it <laughs> well you know it's his last stand you know what i mean like yeah I, but you know you got to remember this is the stories of harry and his perspective and what he sees he didn't know you know i'm sure if harry realized that remus was fighting and lost and died he probably would have had a very similar reaction to what happened when sirius died and yeah. it would have thrown off the whole thing, and he probably wouldn't have defeated Voldemort, even though he had all this knowledge of what really was going on. The thing is also is that the way I look at it is, even though I, I agree with Laura, I also thought that Harry was going to use wandless magic later. But I think part of the beauty of it is that he didn't. He's not Harry, awesome guy. He's just Harry Potter that we've come to love from the beginning of the book. But he's just he really is just a regular guy. Anybody could be Harry Potter. But he was able to take the tools that Dumbledore and everybody had given him and defeat Voldemort even without all the major spell work, wand work, everything like that. So I actually ended up really liking it that it was just Harry being Harry. Mm. Um, well, where else – where should we go with this next? I mean, uh, would it have been better to see a longer duel with, say, more complex spells, attacks – or people just in general, sort of like maybe a three on one. Like, okay, if if we can admit that Harry couldn't um, beat Voldemort by himself, wouldn't it have been cool to maybe see the trio attack Voldemort by himself? Uh, by himself. That because uh, how do we? Maybe Voldemort doesn't have spells to go against. You know, what if uh, three Avada Kedavras are coming at him at once? What does he do? Whoa. I don't know. I was always, I was always a firm proponent of the idea that. Um, you know, Ron and Hermione could always help Harry during his journey, but the final battle between just he and Voldemort, I thought that needed to be between them. Yeah, that, that's his story. This is Harry's story. It had to be his journey. He had to take it alone. You know, he had his mentors to help him. He had his Yoda character. He, you know, he has his friends helping him out. But in that last moment, it has to be him alone. You know, that, that's yeah. yeah, and he says that as soon as he pulls off the invisibility cloak, he says, "Everybody, move away! I have to do this." Yeah, so and- it, it's it's his story, it's his you know his journey, and I am glad that they didn't have the you know trio in there. I'm I'm actually I'm really happy the way the book ended. You know, with that battle, I would have been really upset if you know, like Penny said, if he became super hairy. You know, like 
like Laura said earlier, it would have been cool for him to become Super Harry with the wandless magic and everything. That's what I was imagining before. And like when I started hearing go uh, Horcruxes or uh, Hollows, I was like, oh my gosh, he's going to get that wandless magic power and just be awesome. And it turned out to be just not that he knew Voldemort, you know, was going to kill himself in a sense. I was just going to comment on what you said earlier, Andrew. Uh, Voldemort, there is a scene where he's dueling McGonagall, Slughorn, and Flitwick, I think it is. So he could easily mm-hmm. take on three people without any question, and much more so probably That's the trio true. than dealing with the advanced magic that those three professors know. I, that, I was exactly going to say the exact same thing as Micah. Basically, that for those people who wanted to see, you know, just that, like, you know, full, like, everybody, you know, waving their wands and throwing curses at each other, we saw that. We saw the Voldemort, you know, battling three. That's when Molly was fighting Bellatrix. And you couldn't have had P- Harry be in the mix of that because at that point, I don't think that um, if, if they had known Harry was okay and alive, all those people, I don't know if they would have had that same amount of energy at that point as well um you know because harry had to do it himself laura um i was going to say in regards to harry just being a regular guy um what i thought was so great about this whole scene was that he used his signature spell to kill voldemort and i just thought that was great did you well that'd be interesting but first let me ask you a question laura i wanted to ask you earlier Uh if if (laughs) if um (laughs) this was a battle Uh, if this battle wasn't just between Harry and Voldemort, would you have been severely disappointed? I mean, that could be a question to anyone, but um, what your opinion first? I think I would have been a little bit confused because throughout the whole novel, it was sort of this idea of, and I was never one of these people who was like, no, Harry can never take Ron and Hermione with him in book seven. Like, I, I, I never thought that. But it just seemed like the overlying message was, you know, Harry's the only one who can defeat Voldemort. So it seems kind it would seem kind of like cheap at the very end of this wonderful series to suddenly have Ron and Hermione there shooting curses at Voldemort with him. So, so you would be disappointed. I would be disappointed. Yeah. Yeah. I think I agree with that. Uh, so I, I guess someone could argue that Joe avoided having them duel longer because we as readers knew that Voldemort couldn't win. I mean, is that fair to say? Yeah, I mean, he'd he'd already lost. Right. That was the whole thing. But but do you think do you think that's why Joe kept it short and sweet and to the point extremely? Hmm. I mean, it was pretty short. Mhm. Ah, um, see, now you're admitting yeah. it. No, I mean, the the final <laughs> showdown between them was very short i don't yeah. care but i'm just kidding yeah i don't know because i felt like so much of the battle was already done by that exactly point. it was the three chapters that led up to it it was all part of the battle yeah okay well let's talk about what laura just mentioned um harry using his signature spell and this is another interesting debate um i was kind of surprised to just hear that laura was um excited to see him uh, use that and let's set it up it is the of course expediamus spell uh, we talked about it a lot at uh, the summer tour our summer tour last summer and i know we've referenced it a lot before but um it sort of goes back to when lupin warned him earlier in the book that it's not a good spell to use in defense and this is from chapter five harry explaining to lupin how he got caught 
Harry says, we were hundreds of feet up, Stan's not himself, and if I stunned him and he'd fallen, he'd have died the same as if I'd used Avada Kedavra. Expelliarmus saved me from Voldemort two years ago, Harry added defiantly. And in a way, that was sort of foreshadowing, wasn't it? I mean, what was Mm -hmm. to come. And then in the same chapter, uh, Lupin is explaining why not to use Expelliarmus, and we could talk about whether Lupin was right or wrong here. Lupin says, The Death Eaters, frankly, most people, would have expected you to attack back. Expelliarmus is a useful spell, Harry, but the Death Eaters seem to think it is your signature move, and I urge you not to let it become so. Lupin was making Harry feel idiotic, and yet there was still a grain of defiance in him. I won't blast people out of my way just because they're there, said Harry. That's Voldemort's job. Um, So, uh, Laura, do you think Lupin was right to recommend this to Harry? I mean, he certainly has a good point. People can expect that he's going to use the ex- Expelliarmus. I guess so, but I just my my thing is it clearly works. I mean, not only did Harry make the point to Lupin um, in Book Seven that he had escaped Voldemort before using this, but he also made the same point in um, Book Five, I believe, when they were getting together Dumbledore's army and everyone was sort of. Um, skeptical of learning Expelliarmus and he said well hey this is how I escaped Voldemort last summer so mm-hmm. I don't what's know. everyone else think about this was Lupin right to tell them tell him to not use the spell yes in my opinion I think it's a weak spell no no I agree with Micah completely logically thinking Expelliarmus is probably the weakest spell you should use against a death eater who's trying to kill you you know you know, a stunning spell is just that much more logical to use. You know, that way you have time to get away versus them just not having their wand. Now, at the same time, though, Harry kind of has his own set of morals. And that's where, you know, he's, you know, I won't blast people out of my way just because they're there. And I'm glad that Harry sticks to him. But from Remus's standpoint, Harry's being an idiot using experience. Mm-hmm. And I think that Lupin was in every right to express his feelings and tell Harry not to let that become his signature move. Yeah. And we obviously saw some anger between, you know, those two in in the book. Do you think Harry wanted to continue using it just to prove Lupin wrong? Not at that point in the series. No, I mean, you're talking about it, you know, Lupin has already been killed. I don't think Harry's proving a point when he kills Voldemort with Expelliarmus for the sake of of the conversation that he had had with Lupin months before that. If that's well, I'm just asking. saying, uh, forgetting about the final battle. I mean, do you think he just wanted to? He he didn't really take Lupin's advice and continued using it throughout the book, not just the final battle, um, just because he wanted to prove something with it. I no, I, I I you know I think again it kind of goes back to what you know Harry said there. He won't blast people away just because they're there. He's completely different than what Voldemort is, and the exact opposite of Voldemort just killing people and blasting them out of the way would be just to disarm him and kind of almost talk to him. And Harry would obviously not talk to him. He would run away. But it's one of those things where if he did anything more forceful, it would have been kind of closer to what Voldemort himself would have almost done. And I think Harry walked his own line and uh, stayed with it. Yeah, I think it was a matter of comfort for Harry. It was probably the first thing that came to his mind. And But I also believe that if he had used any spell, it would have killed Voldemort with, just because he was using the Elder Wand. 
But also before Deathly Hallows came out, a lot of people were very nervous about Harry killing Voldemort because they said, because we know that, um, you know, Dumbledore told Harry that part of his soul would be split if, you know, part of anybody's soul is split if they um, willingly kill somebody. And a lot of people were concerned that Harry's soul just wasn't going to be the same if he would kill Voldemort. So this wasn't, he didn't use Avada Kedavra on him. You know, um, like Micah said, anything that he would have used would kill him, but just by virtue of the fact that he didn't use one of those stronger spells, I think, you know, shows just who Harry is. Well, I'll just, I just want to bring something up, and I know we've talked about this on another show. We saw in this book Harry use the other two unforgivable curses, and I thought oh, that that true. was leading up to him using Avada Kedavra against Voldemort, but it never happened. Mm. Yeah, and it would have been exciting to see him use it, don't you think? Okay, yeah, it's a death spell, but don't you think it would have been exciting? And I think make it brings up a good point. You know, it sort of it seems like it was sort of leading to that. Right. I forget who they. Well, they use the uh, Imperius curse. Uh, what is it? The Ministry? No. At Gringotts. Gringotts. Sorry. And then they use. Um, you know, Harry uses Crucio on one of the. Uh, was it Electo or one of the Caros? Yeah, Amicus. Amicus yeah. Caro. See, that's why Penny's here, to correct all my mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. But I mean, no, that, no, no. Weren't those for specific reasons? Like- yeah, but it's almost like Joe was saying, okay, Imperius Curse, now Cruciatus Curse. We're building to something bigger at the end of the story. But that's just what I thought. Mm. Harry's like Batman. He won't kill anybody. <laughs> In a way, though, that sort of is, um, I don't want to say a weakness, because Harry is obviously a very strong person, but he has that sort of heart. That saving people thing? Yeah, I mean, although he did kill Voldemort, so it's not like he can't kill. Cause he yeah, did, but you know but what? He, he even gave Voldemort a chance to repent. Yeah, and that was really interesting. Like, what would have happened if he, I don't know. I didn't get what was going on there, really. He wouldn't have. But what would have happened? If Voldemort had just been like, oh yeah, sorry dude. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what I'd but, you know what? But see, Harry had to Harry had to offer that, you know, that chance to him. He really did, you know. He had to offer Voldemort that chance to kind of turn around because that's what Dumbledore would have wanted, to give Tom Riddle one last chance to redeem himself. Because Harry mm-hmm. knew what his future held, because he had seen the torn up soul already, you know. At King's Cross, and we know he wasn't going to take it. We knew, Vol- you know, Voldemort was not human anymore. He wasn't going to repent for his crimes, but he had to give him that chance because that's what Dumbledore, you know, would have wanted. But what's interesting is if you look at um, what was said there at that exact moment, um, it, it says Harry's talking to Voldemort, and it says, um, "Before you try to kill me, advi- I advise you to think about what you've done. Think and try for some remorse, Riddle." Um, and then he says, what's this? Of all the things that Harry had said to him beyond any revelation or taunt, nothing had scared Voldemort like this. Yeah, or nothing had shocked really Voldemort like this. And I was just always wondering why. Why did this you know, bother Voldemort so much? Because he's giving him a chance. Right? He's giving him a chance for survival in a way. Or like he doesn't want to kill him, it almost seems like, right? It's, it would seem like that, but... Uh, or maybe Voldemort thought if Harry was actually offering him this chance, maybe he that was when he realized, oh, crap, I'm going to die. <laughs> you yeah. know? 
Well, it's a very um, interesting debate. Let's um, move along to another thing to talk about. And I, Penny, did you add this in? Snape is the one about, who talked? Yeah. Go ahead, um, talk about that. Well, you know, everybody wanted to know, you know, from the beginning what the deal is with Snape. And what's interesting is that in um, Chamber of Secrets, when they did the, the duel, Snape is the one who taught Harry the Expelliarmus spell. So ultimately, oh. Snape is the one who, not only did he protect Harry throughout the series, but he's the one that taught him his signature spell and the one that ultimately killed Voldemort. So that's just pretty cool. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. I never noticed that before. Yeah. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, it is It is really cool. I feel like I should pull a Jamie and request a moment of silence for this amazing <laughs> moment discovery. moment of silence, just to appreciate that moment. I feel like he does that every other episode. <laughs> It's but, funny. It's yeah. his thing. He yeah. he just wants to have a break for a second. That's his way of... It's his signature line. <laughs> like, I could announce Podcast Alley, and he'll just be like, can we just take a moment <laughs> to appreciate this? Oh. oh, Jamie. But that's really cool. The only thing that I wish that we could have seen was Snape, possibly, in that final battle, where he was fighting on the, the side we all knew uh, that he was on, uh, but obviously couldn't have happened that way but at least harry was able to announce it to everybody you know where snape's allegiance lied yeah um moving along what was his last point um was this you too penny yeah i just thought there were so many parts during this battle that were just like you know like oh my gosh like you know holy you know what moments um and not just for the readers, because there were some things like we knew, um, you know, that we knew that Harry was under the cloak, let's say, um, during the battle, you know, but so Harry pulls off the cloak and all of a sudden everybody sees that he's alive. Bum, bum, so that's bum. for the people yeah. that are in the Great Hall. But then, you know, the time, the point that when Harry says Snape was um, was Dumbledore's, he was never yours, that that's a time that that Voldemort's just like, oh, my gosh. And then when we're reading it and all of a sudden he's talking and says something like, you know, um, Draco Malfoy was the master of the Elder Wand. That I don't know about you guys when you read it, but I went when I read it. It's like it was in the back of my head, but I just didn't make the connections. And I was just yeah. like, "Oh my gosh, you're right." I just I, I just thought that there were so many of those during this battle that it made it so good. Yeah, and agree? reading the reading the battle again uh, today in preparation for this discussion, I really felt like to to pay tribute to J.K. Rowling in her books, they should really just really strive to keep this scene verbatim in the movies. I think that would be so cool. Mm -hmm. And they could easily do it too. I mean, I think that would all, yeah, it would all translate very well. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. As long as they could pull it off, I hope that they'd be able to, because it really is amazing. Yeah, it really is. It really is. Well, um, there you go. There's our discussion on the final battle. Does anyone have any other things to add about this? No moments of silence to appreciate. <laughs> no, We're I thought here. it was a good discussion. Yes. And um, I think we laid it all to rest one last time. You know, speaking of this, you know, we've been talking about all this, and we've failed to mention this far, that this is our holiday episode. Um, and here we are talking about death and how harry was the wuss <laughs> for not killing someone straight up but um so we're going to transition now into sort of a little holiday discussion we last episode we asked people to send in their questions related to beetle via twitter 
um, which is sort of like a Facebook. The whole site is dedicated to Facebook statuses, so to speak, where Twitter is you have an account and you just write what you're doing throughout the day. So Andrew is dot, 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 recording MuggleCast. Came in very handy Mike. for our Ministry of Magic elections. Yes, it did. Yeah, yeah, that too. So I want to start using it more with MuggleCast. And um, this week, uh, and I posted an announcement on the site just saying like, yay, you know, we're going to start using Twitter more. Um, so this week, I we asked for we asked people for their questions about the holidays. Sort of talk a little bit about the holidays since it is you know the holiday season. Um, and this first one came from Poka. <laughs> I, I, I didn't read this. I didn't read this username. I, I like that Twitter name. I really do. It's um, I guess I have to read it. It's Poka Hot Ass. <laughs> um, I always I'd never read it. Um, it said, if you could get the trio anything for Christmas, what would it be? And the motives behind the gift. I thought that was interesting. Um, I, I guess we can talk about, like, Wizarding World. Mikey, if you had to give one of the trio anything, what, what, what would you give them? Ooh, I don't know. I would, get, I would give Ron a Blu-ray player. <laughs> I knew you were going to say Blu-ray. <laughs> uh, just, so I, I think out of, out of the trio, I think Ron would enjoy movies. Um... Uh, yeah, I, I think he's the type of personality. I don't know. I think I identified a lot with Ron. I don't know. Maybe that's why I like. I don't. Know. I like movies. I for Christmas I would get. I would give Harry a six pack of beer. Just let the kid relax. He deserves it. He's <laughs> he it. Just, it. just relax and hang out. Yeah. Uh, Penny or Laura, do you guys have any ideas? I was going to give Ron some tact for Christmas. <laughs> What's that? Tact. Tact. T a c t. What is that? Tact, like yeah, I, to be I, to be more tactful. Oh, I see. I'm sure he would appreciate that. Be one of those oh ha ha jokes. <laughs> oh, you know what? I, I would also give uh, Hermione Ben Chain. Oh uh, yes! Wow. He couldn't ask. She couldn't that's, ask for anything. That, she couldn't that's ask for unfortunate. Anymore. I mean, uh, yeah, I've already seen Watson kidding. though. Um. Kind of. Anyway, uh, this next one comes from Heidi Hearts Hugs. It's a nice, nice name compared to uh, the last first one. one. Yeah. <laughs> um, the question is: They have Christmas, but does the Wizarding World have a Santa? And if so, what magical differences would he have? This is a good question. Like, what? Like, okay, obviously they celebrate Christmas, but in terms of religion, or um, and this other question comes from J Prince six ten: Are all the children of Hogwarts Christian? Because if they weren't, it might get a little awkward for a little Jewish wizard, witch or wizard. It's kind of a good Got question. Anthony Goldstein. What's that? You got Anthony Goldstein. He's a little Jewish kid. <laughs> Hogwarts. Well, I now mean, that is you know, stereotyping. That is stereotyping. I'm sorry. <laughs> Come on, yeah, Goldstein. Well, yeah, chances are he's Jewish. I mean, let's be realistic. <laughs> <laughs> my, my senior English. But Mike and I can both say it without stereotyping. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's okay. That's why we have you two on the show. Um, no, but um. What do you think? I mean, we've always seen just the Christmas holiday in Hogwarts, but are, is anything else celebrated? Well, you know, you got to remember that Santa is a wizard. Come on, he's got his little wi- red wizard hat, and he flies magical, you know, reindeer. But children in the wizarding world must not even be fascinated by Santa, because he can do what, what they can do. But he still gives them toys. That's true. They can't produce toys like Santa can. Exactly. He's got his, you know, and he's got elves, a bunch of elves, you know, who's a slave driver, you know. Making toys year round. Come on, he's a yeah. wizard. You know, Santa's a wizard. He's real. 
I still believe in Santa yeah. Claus. Me too. Are they house elves? Yeah, house elves. Yeah. Oh yeah. The, no, they're they're workshop elves. There's a difference. They make toys instead of do housework. <laughs> it would kind of be cool to see like a special holiday in the wizarding world. Like yeah, like Santa Claus. He's been around from you know twelve hundred you know AD to current. The old he <laughs> only second in age to Nicholas Flamel and. Yeah, I know, I know, but that, it, that would be rad, it, though. No, I agree. Like, like a full-on holiday, just like if you know, Joe creates all this crazy stuff in the films or in the books. I just imagine like her cr- coming up with a holiday, with a theme and songs and like a, a figurehead like Santa. Like we wish you a wizard <laughs> Christmas and stuff like that. Yeah. Do you think Dumbledore would play Santa at the meet and greets? <laughs> it's like, now what would you like for? Never mind. Just imagine, I imagine Santa like <laughs> sitting up in the Great Hall in a big old red costume. You know, it's not really Dumbledore; it's Santa Claus. And and one last question from Lindsay Tinsey. It's a cute, cute little rhyme there. Why does the Wizarding World celebrate Christmas and Easter? Do they believe in Jesus? I, I know we could probably get deep into a religious discussion, but um, that's not necessary. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think okay. Here's what I'll say. I'm not religious myself, but I still celebrate Christmas and Easter and all of these other holidays because they're, while they are Christian holidays, they're also huge in our society. So, I mean, since I'm not religious, it's like I pick up these major holidays and celebrate them anyhow. Yeah. And I think Joe wanted to write um, a holiday that she celebrates. I I think it, you know, it's something familiar, you know. Yeah, and plus when she was writing Sorcerer's Stone, which has Christmas in it, um, you know, she didn't think it would be as big as the book be- became, and I, I doubt she was writing it to... I mean, well, I'm not trying to say that she was like, oh, I need to write... Never mind, I don't know what I'm saying. It also no, has I Halloween. Agree with you. They also have Halloween, you know. Yeah. So... Yeah, no, I agree, Andrew. I, I think it's whatever she she knows from her own experience. That's what she's putting in the book. It doesn't yeah. necessarily mean that uh, you know they all believe in Jesus. Uh, I think one thing to remember, and this is not in any way trying to offend people, but Christmas has become a very commercialized holiday, where just right. like what Laura was saying, people may not subscribe to the religion, but they still celebrate it because it's just a festive holiday and that time of year just lends itself to I guess a Christmas type feeling right and I'm well, gonna get emails for that so yeah <laughs> no you won't I don't think so well there you go uh, there's our holiday discussion for this year Merry Christmas everyone <laughs> even though Happy holidays. Of it was about death <laughs> happy holidays I'm sorry alright now it's time to get into voicemails we haven't had them for a while um, so I don't know about you guys, but I'm very excited. Woo! Um, excited! <laughs> let's take uh, the first one. This is a book question. Hey, Mogocast. Uh, this is Colton, age 15, of Kansas City, Missouri. The biggest Harry Potter fan of all time. Uh, I was just uh, reading the series for my ninth time, and I got to the part in Prisoner of Azkaban where they found out that Peter Pettigrew was an Animagus, and I thought, or I thought before Deathly Hallows was released, that maybe a good plot twist would be if Lily Potter was secretly Crookshanks in Animagus form. Like, obviously this isn't possible because Deathly House has already been released. Just thought I'd uh, see if I could get your guys' feedback. 
Thanks. Keep up the good work. Love the show. Pickles. There's a uh, crazy listener who believes Crookshanks could have been Lily. I thought that was kind of interesting. You know, I've heard that theory before. Really? Yeah, there were a lot of people who thought that. Like before book seven? Yes. Yeah. That would be so cool. But at the same time, it'd be crazy. Like, how would Harry react? Wouldn't he be like, He would be resentful. What the hell? Like, seriously. Yeah. I mean, you've been hiding from me as a cat this whole time. <laughs> that, I mean, At least show yourself that, once. You know, come on. Like, how many birthdays and Christmases did he have, you know, with, you know, no family? Right. And, and all that time at the Dursleys. That would be like, oh, wow. I would be so... It'd like, be funny if there were, like, a couple scenes where... It's like the Jerry Crook, Springer like, edition of Harry Potter. Well, no, I was going to say, like, before Harry found out, like, there had been, like, instances where Harry would, like, behind Hermione's back, Harry would, like, toss the cat off to the side if, like, he was sitting in a chair or something. She was sitting in a chair. Yeah. 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 Well, one of the things that that could still be true and really does need to be posed to Joe is um, there was a cat that was talked about in the, uh, the letter that was found in Sirius's room. Um, yeah. from the Potter's old home. And I know we got a lot of email about that possibly being Crookshanks. But see, the problem with that theory, I mean, other than Mrs. Norris, like, they're the only two cats. So I could sort of see how, like, everyone would be like, oh, my God, maybe it's a connection. Because there's not many cats. Or maybe cats. maybe they just had a pet cat. Yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe yeah, that's unreasonable. That, <laughs> that's an interesting theory, though. I mean, Joe could have went anywhere with that. That would have been pretty cool, though. That kid, that, did you hear what that kid said, though? He was reading his uh, the series for a ninth time. Wow. It's impressive. All right. Uh, next voicemail. This is also about the books. Hi, Multitask. This is Courtney Martin, age 17, from Millington, Tennessee. I love your show, but I have a question. What's the difference between the U.S. edition and the U.K. edition of any of the Harry Potter books? I'm reading the Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows U.K. version version because i've already read the u.s version i love your show especially andrew and laura thanks bye oh that's Aww. so sweet well um that's a kind of good question not everyone really knows that um especially maybe our our younger listeners um but the the difference between the the u.s and uk editions are i mean it's different pol- publishers that's mainly the thing and then also when joe writes these books um she writes them for um she writes them in english uk english so some words like favorite will have a u in them and then they change those in the us edition so it matches with our with our proper language and even some of the there... slang gets changed too yeah not to mention the title yeah <laughs> of the first but... book and the covers are yeah. different too but yeah, yeah. So, and, and, any and other fl- differences well in philosopher's stone there's an extra chapter in the us edition uh huh. There's it, really? it, oh yeah, because it's it's um in the what do you call it? it's, it's sorcerer's stone versus philosopher's stone. In the UK edition, there's no explanation of what a sorcerer's stone is or philosopher's stone is because it's kind of like common knowledge. Whereas in the US edition, yeah. there's that explanation because a sorcerer's stone or philosopher's stone is oh, not. Oh, I thought you said knowledge. extra chapter. No, there, there, well, it's it's not really an extra chapter, but there's a whole extra like section. That is in oh. the U.S. edition. Uh, okay. That's not in the U.K. edition. But that's like the only one that I know off the top of my head well, that still stands out. Also, and Penny called this one, um, in Beetle the Bard, there's an extra footnote for the U.S. people um, saying, if you're not from the U.K., such and such means this. 
And when she saw that, she IM'd me and was like, hey, is this in the UK version? And I was like, why? No, it's not. Good find, Penny. Yeah, because once again, we're stupid. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I know and... I am. Stupid? <laughs> maybe. Sometimes. Most of the time. Maybe. I don't know. Anyway. Right, next voicemail. Hi. My name's Aubrey, and I was watching the international teaser trailer. And I was listening to the Muggle cast about the fire and how somebody was really obsessed with Pyromaniacus. And I was wondering if anyone else thought that the scene where Dumbledore was waving around and the fire was going on, if that was a little bit of Gandalf from Lord of the Rings. Like, I was seriously reminded of Gandalf. But anyway, I'm going to keep this short. So, uh, yeah. Okay. Bye. Gandalf. Um, I have not seen Lord of the Rings, so I have no idea what she's talking about. Yes. Actually, I, I knew go, no Gandalf, but I agree. That was my first thought, definitely. It's yeah. de- definitely a little Gandalf and Lord of the Rings-ish. I agree, too. Yeah. I, hope I thought it was well. a cross between Gandalf and Moses, like in the Ten Commandments <laughs> a little bit. Um, you know what? Actually, the same, actually, about the trailer, uh, I never actually got to talk about it because I was moving during that time, but uh, mm-hmm. someone I or messaged me on Facebook or something and asked about the visual effects work because I guess you know, I guess people ask me that sort of stuff. But <laughs> if you look at like the trailer, like I actually pulled it up right now just to, to make sure I'm not like going crazy and thinking about it. But if you look at the bridge scene, there's a bunch of people on it when they're going around it, and then it yeah. snaps, and then when it's flipping up and down, there's nobody on it. And just to answer that person's question, because I don't remember who it was, um, trailers are cut like completely crazy so if you think that there's no visual effects done or something like that where there's nobody on it because when you go to the scene exactly at 137 there's nobody on the bridge and the bridge is just like flying up and down what happened is the people have either fallen off or have gotten off there and that could be like at the very end of it when you know all the cars and everything are just gone um off the bridge that's a good point but yeah yeah, it's not that like the trailer's not done and the footage isn't done it's if you look at it you know it's completely intercut, you know, different timing. That can literally be like three minutes later in the scene where it's yeah. that distorted. And it's not that the visual effects aren't done. And, um, and it's just that it's, you can see that it's completely cut different time. Um, same thing with a lot of the, uh, um, the Tom Riddle and the, uh, the, the young Riddle and the uh, older Riddle, like the cuts back and forth to it, you know? Yeah. yeah. And the, I, 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 Okay. Yeah, I was just gonna say a lot of that's just that's trailer editing. Trailer, you know, a lot of times you'll see stuff in trailers that don't actually make it into the movie, but they're actually there. They're just used a little bit differently in the trailers. I actually have a question for you, Mikey. Though, off of that, um, do trailers oftentimes, you know, not always go in sequence? And definitely not. I guess I'll be a little bit more. No, no, no. But here's what I'm saying, though. Like, for example. They're in front of Harry and Dumbledore at one point in this trailer in front of Slughorn's house, and they immediately apparate. And they sh- there's this really really quick scene in there where they show up on the astronomy tower and it switches yep. to something else. Yeah. So so, so the way trailers kind of work is it, it's kind of up to an editor to kind of create a short story out of it. Now, what happens is what people tend to see tend to be like the really cool parts that are done. And uh, so, like, the apparition scene, like, I'm actually going through it step by step. Chances are that's not the final apparition. You know, that's not the way or 
or apparition, uh, blah, whatever. It's not the final visual effects for it. It's probably, you know, I'm looking at it. It looks like it's in just an additional kind of warp that the editor may have done. And it cuts to, and it cuts directly to the tower. Um, and, and don't, nothing to do. Yeah. And what happens is a lot of times trailers are cut before the whole thing is done and editors just start getting stuff. And one editor who might be actually working on the film will be assigned, hey, you need to cut the trailer. And so they know this scene has been done, this scene has been done, and they start picking and choosing like key shots from it that look exciting that will fit to a trailer, and they'll cut something to a temp music track. And then it'll go from that, you know, temp music track will then go to someone who does music and will actually put the music to it. That's the Harry Potter music. Um, they'll keep dialogue in. Let's listen to uh, next voicemail. Hey guys, this is Micah from South Carolina, and I just want to let okay. you guys know I am completely confused. I just finished reading for the second time the Half-Blood Prince book. This is going to sound really retarded, but I cannot find anywhere where the burrow is on fire, and I'm totally confused. If I can get some help on that, um, I don't know if it's maybe at the end of the book and I was just reading too fast, getting excited, and I missed it, <laughs> but I, I don't understand that. You guys are doing a great job. I love the show. The trailer was awesome, the new trailer, and... um I just love listening to you guys. Thanks very much for your time. Bye. Um, the reason I included this is because we actually – people do still send in emails about this, which is kind of surprising. Um, it's been widely reported, but um, they they added that scene, sp- specifically that scene, um, to the film as a pacing scene to hint at danger early on. So that, that whole scene at the borough, that is an entirely new scene approved by Joe. But entirely new, and it's not in the book. So there you go. And wouldn't that also be kind of the understanding of getting them back to the um, the, the school? The, the, yeah, well, back to also the uh, order headquarters too. Oh yeah, because yeah, now now so. it's no longer safe at the borough. You know, it, it, it's right again. Like like Where the trailers. You know, like the trailers. You know, movies can't be completely true to the book because people that don't read the books have to be able to follow along. Well, why aren't they at the borough? You know, Harry's safe there. You know, their family's been safe there for years and Voldemort's been around. Why do they have to go to the Order of the Phoenix headquarters? You know, especially since it's so dark and gloomy and, you know, whatever. And the final voicemail for today. Hey, Marvel Casters. Nicole here from Micah's alma mater, Syracuse University. And once again, I must ask too much of you all. It is needless to say that the newest trailer has sparked a lot of discussion. In the past two previews, we've noticed that they each adhere to a theme, like the first one focused on young Tom Riddle and Dumbledore, whereas the second one, although a bit more fiery, as you all put it, definitely put the emphasis on Harry and Dumbledore. I'm surprised there has not been much dialogue seen amongst the Malfoy and Lestrange family members, especially since Narcissa is a relatively new character in the realm of the HP films. I know we've got a few more months till the movie does come out, but do you guys think in the next trailer they'll promote them more? Thanks, Mulgcast. And Andrew, I love you, Wildcat. Hey, now. Oh, wow. Oh, my uh, He's, of course, referring to the fabulous High School Musical 3. Uh, they refer to each other as Wildcats in the school because that's their mascot <laughs> thing. Anyway, um, what, what, what can we hope for in the next trailer in terms of the theme? I mean, she was saying, you know, hopefully some more Narcissa Malfoy, but I don't know. I mean, maybe hopefully they'll focus more on the humor that they're loving to hype up right now especially at ABC Family. I don't know. Does anyone have any hopes for what the next trailer can bring in terms of the theme or what to see? Snape. Snape. Yeah, I was going to say that. Or the potions book, Half-Blood Prince. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's still been absolutely no explanation of that. Maybe a little more (laughs) slughorn. Yeah. A little more of everything that we want from the movie. Yeah. (laughs) 
but not too much. <laughs> I'm just wondering what Nicole wants to see out of you know the, the Lestranges and the the Malfoys because I mean I would think that Narcissa's role in particular is probably pretty minor in this movie. It's all it's all Draco's role. I, I There's think somebody gonna... too to see some more of Draco. Yeah, I mean. There's been a lot of pictures of Draco, too, coming out. I mean, a lot of the promotional pictures have had Draco, and yet we've seen pretty much nothing of him in the trailers. I, we'll see We'll see Draco, I'm sure of it, just because, you know, he's... Harry doesn't fight Voldemort in this book. It's all Draco. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so there you go. That's voicemails this week. Um, we'll get the we'll give you the call in information at the end of the show if you want to send in your own voicemail and we'll get to that too. These uh, of course those last three were all about the trailer because these were gathered when um, the trailer came out, so everyone was very excited to talk about it. But let's wrap up today with uh, Chicken Soup Finals Edition. Uh, Penny, you want to do this one? It's like your inaugural Chicken Soup. Oh wow! I might just shed a tear. Um, <laughs> It's from Carly15 from Vermont, and she writes, Hey, everyone. Lately, I've been going through a lot of stuff at school. Keeping straight A's isn't very easy, especially with finals coming up. I hate having the pressure... One second. Sorry. I hate having the pressure applied to me because I know if I don't do well in high school and college, it's going to be difficult. And since I'm only a freshman, I really shouldn't start worrying yet, but since I have four siblings, I need straight A's to continue in school. MuggleCast has gotten me through those hard nights of constant, nonstop studying. And I don't go to bed until 3 a.m. because I need to finish a paper. All your jokes and stories make my day that much better, and I really enjoy hearing your voices. Myth, Harry Potter is over. Total lie. MuggleCast is continuing the fandom and keeping it strong. Thanks, Andrew, Matt, Elisa, Laura, Micah, Eric, Ben, Mikey B, Kevin, and Jamie. And Hope Penny. I didn't forget anyone. If I did, just imagine their name. I'm imagining it. Penny! Uh, everything you do is amazing. I hope to someday meet you all. I love you, and thanks again for keeping me sane through these times. Smiley face heart. Well, you're very welcome, Carly. And there you go. Doesn't that warm your That's heart? That's a lot like of work soup. for a 15-year-old to be up till 3 a.m.? Well, these kids these days, they it's yeah. just work, work, work. Wow. I don't get it. I'm not, I'm not sending my kids to school in Vermont, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good point, though. Yeah, that is that is a lot. Maybe she was saving it all to the very end or Probably. something. Probably. That's what I do. You're not supposed to do that, but I do that. <laughs> anyway, so that does wrap up the latest episode of MuggleCast. I know you're all sad, but we will be back next week for a fantastic year-in-review episode. We're going to be talking about all the big stories over this year. And, you know, I was thinking about it, there was a lot of big stories that happened this year, even though for the first time in a while we did not see a new book or a new movie this year. Besides Beetle, but um, eh, it doesn't really count. We, we got the 10th anniversary edition of Sorcerer's Stone. <laughs> uh, yeah, that yeah. was exciting. How could I forget? I guess that was one of the bigger stories we could discuss, because... They're planning on doing 10th anniversary editions for the rest of the books, too. Um, so to contact us, if you'd like to send parcel mail, you can always send it into the MuggleCast P.O. Box. That is MuggleCast P.O. Box 3151, coming Georgia 30028. If you would like to call on a voicemail and have it played on the show, just like the ones that were aired a little earlier, uh, we have a couple numbers for you. If you're in the United States, you can dial one two one eight twenty magic And if you're in the United Kingdom, you can dial 020-814-0677. Now, um, you guys can help me decide this, but right here I would normally say the Australia number. But here's the thing. It expired a few days ago, 
and literally we get very 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 few calls from it so i'm thinking we should just let it go what do you guys think yeah just ignore it and hopefully no one will notice (laughs) (laughs) well now that i'm discussing it here on air i think uh people may but you know it just doesn't get used so i figure why even bother I'm sure Eric would be annoyed if he were here because, you know, he was used to You're going to get a lot of emails now from Australia. Well, All of a sudden, this line will be the hottest uh, phone line <laughs> yeah. for the next two weeks if you renew it. Yeah. We just didn't get many calls for it, from it. How so long I think would you just... have to renew it for? Uh, well, you can do three months or you can do a year. Uh, so, I and yeah, I, it doesn't get used. And you could always use the other option. You can Skype the username MuggleCast to leave us a question, too. So... Maybe they can just do that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I like so we're Skype. decided. I like know. Skype. All, all of us Americans have decided for the Australians. Uh, we love our Australia listeners, though. We do have a lot of them. It's just the number didn't get used much. So Skype the username MuggleCast if you can't call any either of those two numbers. And don't forget, on MuggleCast.com, uh, we have a feedback form to contact any one of us. Or... Um, uh, just use our first name at staff.mugglenet.com. I actually have to revise the script in my head because we fixed the feedback form on the site, but you can't individually contact any, us anymore because something went weird and hasn't been working. So if you want to send an individual individual message to one of us, just use our first name at staff.mugglenet.com. Penny, for now, uh, we'll get you an at staff name eventually, but for now, if somebody wants to write to you with a thought or a disagreement or, you know, whatever, oh, how, how could they email you? HarryPotterProgs at Yahoo.com. Okay, there we go. Um, so, and also don't forget our community outlets. We have the MySpace, we have the Facebook, YouTube, Frapper, Last.fm. We have the fan listing in the forums. Also, don't forget to follow us on Twitter. And uh, now with every new episode, we'll be asking you a question to answer there on Twitter. And we'll read your questions or comments on the show. Um, and don't forget to vote for us once a month at Podcast Alley. And for more details about Azkatraz 2009, go to hp2009.org, and we hope to see you there. Yep. One quick thing. What? I just wanted to say thanks again for the uh, for the podcast awards. We accepted the award last week. Uh, oh yeah. At the uh, at the virtual 2008 podcast awards, it was all done online. Um, so thanks again to everybody for voting for us for best entertainment. And if you want to see Micah virtually accept <laughs> the award, you can go to podcastawards.com and the video is there. Um, you have to fast forward a bit. I don't even think you can fast forward, but um, our uh, Micah does talk pretty, what, like first maybe 15 minutes in yeah, or so? we were pretty early on. Yeah, so just um, watch it. And Micah, you did a great job. Yeah, I might have referred and, and- to our fans as cultish, but, but that, that came from the host himself <laughs> That first. came from him, yeah. He was like, ah, the, 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 you guys have a big following, don't you? So, But it was good. You did a great job. And pictures from our live events played and all that. So yeah. it was very cool. So thank you, everyone, for voting for us. We really do appreciate that. Cool. All right. Uh, let's wrap it up. I'm uh, Andrew Sims. <laughs> I'm Micah Tannebaum. I'm Laura Thompson. I'm Penny Gershman. And I'm Mikey B. We'll see everyone next week for uh, episode 167, our year in review. Bye-bye. Bye.
I'm Mikey Laura. B. <laughs> wait. Oh, wait, wait. I thought someone else Stop, you know, was here. freaking out over your inauguration tickets and pay attention to the show. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. <laughs> okay. Okay. Dun, 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 Got a copy dun, dun, on the here. Tale of the Three Brothers. Type it in, typing it into my PDF search. Now, Andrew, I hope you type that up yourself. <laughs> I hope you type that up <laughs> yourself, Laura. <laughs> oh, Jamie.